We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I want to finish up the week by talking about the difference between sin and mistakes. And why am I doing this? Because at the Southern Baptist Convention in California, they apparently don't understand the difference. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you so much for listening into the show today. And for those of you who listen on a routine basis, thank you for listening in to the shows that have preceded this, those over the last week or perhaps even those over the last months. If you've been listening for the last several days, you know that I've covered the topic of pride. I've done that because pride is identified, it's codified, by the church, and I would argue by the Bible, that's why the church codified it, as one of the seven deadly sins. I've told you over and over again that Pope Gregory was the first, at least in terms of church history, to officially say that there were seven deadly sins, and within that group of seven deadly sins, those things that were most evil in the human heart and had proven themselves over the course of history to be the repeated sins, the sins that lead to other sins, the sins that are the foundation of our brokenness, the evil that lurks in every human heart, if you will. It was uh, in 600 AD or thereabout, as I understand church history, that Pope Gregory and the church actually said there are these seven deadly sins, and among those was and is pride. I've said over and over again in the previous shows that pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. It is the sin that leads to all others. It is the vice that leads to all other vices. This is paraphrasing C.S. Lewis, as well as other church fathers. And I've tried to remind you that celebrating pride for an entire month is the antithesis of the confession of it, right? We're celebrating something that the church and the Bible and Christianity has told us is wrong, and we're celebrating it for an entire 30 days during the month of June. Our president extols it. Many of our politicians do likewise. They act as if pride is a good thing rather than a bad thing. At best, they might say that it's a mistake in certain circumstances to be prideful. But do you hear anybody talking about pride being sinful? Well, within the context of that discussion of pride and sin, the seven deadly sins, the vice that leads to all other vices, the seven vices and the seven virtues that have been traditionally taught by the church, within the context of that whole conversation and those lessons of history, I'd like to share with you as we close out the week this story from the Southern Baptist Convention, which which was just concluded out in Anaheim, California. Oh, there was a lot of controversy because of the direction of the Southern Baptist Convention over the last couple of years. 
as you know, that J.D. Greer's leadership actually kind of turned the ship to the left a bit. Uh, many leaders under Russell Moore and J.D. Greer, Beth Moore and whatnot, started talking about things like critical theory being a useful tool within the church, started talking about blaming people because of the color of their skin rather than talking about confession and the content of a person's character. Oh, they would deny all of this, but indeed that has been a very, very critical move on the part of the Southern Baptist Convention, a critical move, I would argue, and many others would argue, to the left. Uh, we've, we've heard talk of some of these teachers, these well-known teachers, starting to embrace or at least be open to a discussion of gay Christianity, homosexual Christians, trans Christians, and somehow you're born that way rather than you need to be born again. We, we've heard that Russell Moore is in bed with George Soros and those funding sources. And in fact, we haven't just heard that. We know it to be true because Kelly Monroe Kulberg and others have done the research that show the paper trail. They followed the money and it goes right directly from George Soros and his various different agencies to Russell Moore. Russell Moore has ultimately resigned his position at the Southern Baptist Convention, and uh, he's moved on to do other things as a quote-unquote evangelical commentator, writer, etc. We've seen all of this stuff happening. We've, we've heard the accusations of plagiarism from uh, on the part of the, the, the leadership, the very leadership of the Southern Baptist Convention, that they're plagiarizing each other's sermons and they don't give each other credit for those sermons when they do so. Therefore, by definition, it's plagiarism. And then they don't even admit it when they're caught. At best, they say, well, I made a mistake, which is the segue I want to I, I use to uh, set the stage for the rest of the show. At the Southern Baptist Convention, it's very interesting. They actually, they actually sang a song. No surprise, right? They sing praise and worship choruses there. They sing hymns. Well, there's an old hymn. It was actually written. The lyrics were written in, in the early 1700s by Isaac Watts, and then the music was added in the 1800s by Ralph Hudson. And it's it's a hymn that. If you've grown up in the church, you're going to recognize it, an older hymn that your parents and your grandparents sang, and maybe you did when you were a kid back in the days when you actually got out the hymnal rather than looked at the projection screen when you participated in praise and worship or music in the church. This particular hymn is titled, Alas and Did My Savior Bleed. I'm going to play the music for you without the lyrics because you'll recognize, you'll recognize the song when you hear the music. And then after the break, I'm going to read the actual lyrics to you so that you understand. You understand why I'm bringing this up and I'll share with you how the Southern Baptist Convention actually changed a key word here. Listen to the music, if you will.
Let's take a break, and when I get back, I'm going to remind you what the lyrics of that particular hymn are and how they were changed by the Southern Baptist Convention and why it's a big deal. I'm Dr. Herbert Piper. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. All right, I, I assume you recognize the music. Now, if you're younger and you don't, you need to <laughs> you need to do a little research and figure out what I'm talking about. But I'm assuming that almost everybody listening to me right now at least recognizes that tune. But do you remember what the lyrics were for that old hymn? I, I'm going to read a couple of the stanzas as well as the chorus here. Stanza one says this. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Stanza two, was it for sins that I had done he groaned upon the tree? Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Stanza three, well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut its glories in when Christ, the mighty maker, died for man? His creatures sin. And what was the chorus? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. So I want to remind you again, let me go back. What was the first stanza? Our Savior bled, our Savior died. He devoted his sacred head for such a worm as I. Why are we worms? Well, listen to the next stanza. Was it for sins that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Unless we miss the point, why are we worms? Well, stanza three. Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut its glories in when Christ, the mighty maker, died? For man, his creatures, sin. What's the point here? We are worms, okay? Uh, We are broken. There's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If we claim to be without sin, we make God out to be a liar. These are passages from the Bible, folks. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. What's the burden of our heart? Sin. The burden of our heart, the reason that Isaac Watts defined us as worms, is he's going back to the biblical definition of our brokenness, the brokenness of humanity. There is no such thing as a good person. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we say we are without sin, we make God out to be a liar, and the truth is not in us. Sin. Sin. Our Savior bled. Our Savior died. He devoted his sacred head for such a worm as I. And the burden of our heart is sin. And that burden is rolled away at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. It was for sins that I had done that he groaned upon the tree. It was for my sins that amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. It it, it was for our sins that the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in, when Christ, the mighty maker of sun and moon and stars, 
the Alpha and the Omega, God eternal, God incarnate. It was Christ, that God, the second person of the Trinity, the triune God. He died, he sacrificed himself for our sins, for his creatures' sins, the sins of man. Now, why am I spending so much time talking about that? Because we've been talking about the seven deadly sins a lot the last couple days, haven't we? And while I've been talking about it, the Southern Baptist Convention was taking place in Anaheim, California. And one of the songs they sang as a group of thousands of people was that particular that particular song that I've just shared with you, that hymn and that chorus. But I want you to hear what they said, and I want you to pay attention to a word that they changed. They sang, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my mistakes rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Do you hear the difference? Did you catch the difference? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my mistakes rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. They changed the word heart to mistakes. Now, why did they do that? Why in the world would they do that? There is no reason to do that. The burden of my heart needs to be changed, edited, corrected to mistakes. The burden of my mistakes rolled away. They changed the message of that ancient hymn, the historic hymn from the 1700s. They changed it. Now, listen to the context now. If you change nothing other than just that word, alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my mistakes rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Apparently, they think the emphasis of this hymn is your mistakes. So I have a question for you. Is there a difference between sin and mistakes? And you may say, oh, well, they didn't change the word sin. They changed the word heart. Well, they changed it for a reason, people. Words matter. Words make a difference. Words have meaning. Words are used intentionally. And they've changed that word. They've inserted mistakes into that hymn. When the clear emphasis of that hymn is the brokenness, the worm-like nature of all of us, that there's none righteous, no, not one. We are all worms before God because we are broken. We are sinful. Now, what's the difference between a sin and a mistake? Well, there's a huge difference. <laughs> we're, we're seeing this all the time. You see this increasing tendency for people to confuse mistakes with sins. Whether someone is caught cheating on their spouse or filing false insurance claims or shoplifting at Walmart. We hear people, when they're caught, say, well, I made a mistake. You've got politicians who get caught cheating on their wives, and they say, well, I've made a mistake. I apologize to the people of fill-in-the-blank, the people of the United States, the people of Alabama, the people of Georgia, the people of fill-in-the-blank. A politician gets caught 
in infidelity. And he says, a couple years ago, I made a mistake, and I want to apologize to my family. I'm truly sorry, and I accept full responsibility. You've heard this over and over again, haven't you? Uh, I've made a mistake. Now, I would argue that that is a blatant dodge of the responsibility that you have for the decision you made. You didn't make a mistake. You chose to behave wrongly. A mistake implies that there was an error in judgment, that you did something unintentionally. For example, uh, you might have turned the wrong way on a one-way street. That's a mistake. You may have poured salt into your coffee thinking that it was sugar. That's a mistake. You might have mistyped something in your computer and pulled up a porn site accidentally by mistake. Those are mistakes. Those are legitimate mistakes. But are those sins? No, there's a difference between a mistake and a sin. A sin is more than a mistake. It's a deliberate choice to do something that's wrong. It's deliberately stepping over a boundary, if you will. Trespassing. When you when you see a no trespassing sign and you choose to ignore it, you step into that property, you climb over that fence. If you're a hunter, you know very well that that's not a mistake. That's an intentional, volitional act of defying the property owner's instructions. You don't say, I, I'm mistaken. I, in fact, when you say that, if you get caught, you're lying. It wasn't a mistake. You intentionally climbed the fence. Unlike a mistake, we choose to trespass. We choose to sin. And it's a measure of maturity. Grow up, my book. Grow up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. If you want to act like an adult, don't call your sins mistakes. An adult says, I was wrong. I chose wrongly. I confess. I repent. No, it wasn't a mistake to cheat on your wife. It, it was wrong. You shouldn't have done it. It wasn't a mistake to climb over the fence. It wasn't a a mistake to trespass. It was a blatant volitional act of wrongdoing. So the the point I want to make here is this, and I'm going to go to a... uh, There's a site out there, and it's... uh, I found it. It's Sandy Simpson. I really don't know who this person is, and this was written 20 years ago in March of 2002 says this, today we often hear the word mistake coming from pulpits, and especially in defense of false teaching and false prophecy or terrible behavior. We hear people say, well, judge not lest he be judged. We all make mistakes. Uh, it's terrible, terrible theology. It's terrible logic because we're, we're butchering the definition of words. For example, Let's go to the dictionary, Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, and let's go to the thesaurus, Webster's Collegiate Thesaurus. The dictionary says mistake is mistake. It's a verb. It means to take inappropriately. You mistake like you um, misunderstand or misinterpret. You, You mistake. You take something like as if you didn't understand or you were poorly informed. 
So when you misunderstand, you're not committing a sin. When you misinterpret something, you're not committing a sin. And when you mistakenly do something, it's not necessarily a sin. It's more like a blunder. It's, it, it's, it's not intentional. You didn't intentionally. If, if you went down the wrong way on a one-way street and you got caught by the police, what would, you, what would you say to the officer if you didn't realize what you were doing? You would say, officer, I, I made a mistake. I didn't see the sign. I didn't understand. Now, will, will he let you off because of your mistake? That's up to him. But it wasn't an intentional act. You blundered into it. Synonyms were for the word mistake are to confound, to confuse, to mix up, to jumble, to muddle. You, you misunderstood, you misapprehended, you misconceived, you misconstrued, you misinterpreted, you misread. These are mistakes. Do you get the point? Now, the definition of sin is very different. Webster's Dictionary says that sin is an offense against moral law, an action that is felt to be highly reprehensible. It's a transgression of the law. It is a volitional act, a a, a vitiated state of human nature in which the self is estranged from God. A synonym for sin is an offense. You hear the difference between sin and a mistake? Crime is a synonym for sin. Iniquity is a synonym for sin. Tort, wrong, wrongdoing, wickedness, evil, imperfection, deficiency, fault, shortcoming. These are synonyms for sin. Very different than to misconstrue, misunderstand, misconceive, misinterpret, misread. A mistake is not the same thing as a volitional act of sin. The words are different. The words are very different. The etymology of mistake means to take by mistake. However, sin is being guilty, guilty of the volitional act, the intention. It's intentional. It's not mistaken. (laughs) The obvious difference is there. Mistake is to blunder into the choice, to misunderstand the meaning or the intention, to make a wrong judgment. But sin is an offense against the moral law of God. It's an action that is reprehensible. It's a transgression. It's a transgression of the law. It's a trespassing of the boundary. So, My conclusion is this. There's absolutely no dictionary or thesaurus definition where mistake is synonymous with sin. Again, examples of mistake. You add two and two, and you get a sum of five. That's a mistake. You you take a right turn when you should have turned left. You accidentally delete a computer file. That's a mistake. But examples of sin are you intentionally lie, you intentionally commit adultery, you intentionally steal, you intentionally kill, you intentionally do something that you know is wrong. You teach false doctrine, you, you, you promote or do actions that go against the precepts or the word of God. You go beyond the boundary, beyond what is written. Th- that's a sin. Do you see the difference? So how can people claim that that hymn, 
written by Isaac Watts should include the word mistake when the clear premise to the entire hymn is the burden of your heart is your sin, not your mistakes. Your heart isn't burdened by your mistakes. You may be embarrassed by your mistakes, that you drove the wrong way on a one-way street. It's embarrassing. You may laugh at yourself. People may laugh at you. You may get a ticket for it. But that's not a sin. And your volitional acts of defiance are not mistakes. Sins are not mistakes, and mistakes are not sins. Charles Spurgeon said this, If you can sin and not weep over it, you are an heir to hell. If you can go into sin and afterwards feel satisfied to have done so, and I'm going to paraphrase here and merely call it a mistake, you are on the road to destruction. If there are no prickings of conscience, no inward torments, no bleeding wounds, if you have no throbs and heavings of a bosom that cannot rest, if your soul never feels filled with wormwood and gall, then you know you have done evil and you are no child of God. Wormwood, gall, torments, bleeding wounds, if there are no prickings of conscience, no inner torments, then you are an heir of hell. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Isaac Watts wasn't talking about a mistake there. He was talking about sin. On the cross, on the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart, the burden of my heart, not the burden of my mistakes, the burden of my heart, my sins, was rolled away because it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. When we dumb down the definition of sin to nothing but mistakes, the church is thrown out and trampled underfoot because it's salt and it's light is gone. It's salt has lost its savor and it's light has gone dim. Shame on the Southern Baptist Convention for not understanding what I just said. I'm Dr. Everett Piper and this is The Rebellion.